Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 6th, 2013. For newcomers, help yourself to the websites at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Lots of audios to download. To understand the system you're born into, you have to really go through the history of it and the big foundations, the big clubs that formed a long, long time ago. And literally got all of academia on board. They got the top scientists and different professions on board to bring in a, a set stage by stage system of, of upgrading populations, generations down through the next hundred odd years. They already did it in the last hundred years. And they've already got the next hundred years planned, in fact. And uh, it sounds rather crazy to people who've never really studied it at all, but that's the way it really is. If you have foundations, you can literally start with an agenda. And that's, that's a function of your foundation. There's hundreds of them. And you can hire and, hire and retire and hire and retire for generations until they get their goal fulfilled. And they do it by basically backing or creating front groups of charities or non-governmental organizations which constantly uh, lobby governments for changes, for specific changes. And that's how they can change society, uh, cultures, laws, everything. And uh, it's all been done. And it's still going on too as we live. So I accepted that. Remember too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't have any... Uh, income out of the uh, advertising that you'll hear or and I have no uh, shares or anything in companies selling any products. All I have is the discs and the, the books at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and for those who are interested in buying the books or the discs, you can go to the website as I say, you'll find out how to do it. And from the US to Canada, you can still use personal checks and you can still use international postal money orders from the US to Canada. Uh, or send cash, or you can use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are awfully, awfully seriously welcome. But as I say, the, the world and the future is already planned, uh, step by step. Hundred-year plans sometimes have a specific agenda. It's broken up in different pieces, different areas of it. Five-year plans for one thing, ten-year plans for another, fifty for another, one hundred years for another. The Soviet system was built on the same system. The United Nations has the same system on the go, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which started all of this and guides it all, uh, has the same thing. It's all one big plan run by the big boys at the top with their private foundations, private clubs. And you can't join these clubs. You have to be asked to join after you're vetted. You won't even know you're being vetted. But uh, they vet you for a long time. All their top reporters in the world for all newspapers and magazines are vetted for it before they're asked to join. And also all your news anchors and so on. One big, big club. Because if you understand, if you want to control the world, you've got to standardize the media. And all the stories have to tally together with all the other stories. And then you have no other opinions on any particular topic to follow. You're given your opinions. You're given, in fact, you're given your emotional um, arguments by those at the top as well. 
Should you go for this or should you not? Is it right for this or is it wrong for that? And you fall into that. And then you start arguing at the bottom and you, you don't understand. You've never reasonably, reasonably thought anything through using reason and logic. It's all given to you by what you think are experts who shape your minds. And as I say, it's really speeding up now. Remember this new world order that Bush Sr. first mentioned openly uh, to the nation and the world, in fact. He saw it coming into view and all of that, the big idea. And, uh, and then, of course, it was followed on later on, uh, big time, uh, actually by every every uh, president has been in. But then when we got in Bush uh, Jr. and the neocons, that was a big push for the war starting an authoritarian society. Because authoritarian society has already taken over what you think is democracy. And people still, still actually think they have freedoms and rights. But it's an authoritarian society you're now in. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system. And everyone takes it for granted, you're born into it, every child around you at the same age as you takes all as normal because it exists. It's as simple as that, it exists this way, so it's obviously all normal. And um, it takes a lot of uh, time and aging and knowing and learning to inquiring to, to understand the big system you're born into. Most folk don't really go into it at all, they accept everything that they're told by the media as as being the truth and of course Brzezinski talked about that in the 1970s in his book and he, he mentioned that uh, shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves they'll expect the media to, to even do the reasoning for them and they'll have nothing to talk about except what was given to them in the previous night's news and it's very very true uh, and you actually classify them in different categories too uh, the ones who will talk generally at work is trivia whatever trivia is the main trivia of yesterday so whatever is the, the fanciest thing or the most outrageous thing is what they, they chat about and that's how, how they see life everything really is above them they understand there's a big a big presence of a system above them but they, didn't, they don't think beyond that as to why it's there uh, who controls it what's its real agendas uh, they, just, they simply know it's there, like the special people who come out of special wombs that manage everything. In other words, it's a form, all, t- all tyrannies understand are uh, tyrannical, uh, and they, they, in, in nature, and by tyrannical I mean that they teach the population uh, that they have no power. And they teach, socialism is a good example, communism is a good example, collectivism, same thing. As a good example, because they keep the, the bulk of the population uh, in a sort of childlike state, where you you will accept that it's not my job to to ask the questions from those people above me, the special people who run everything. It's uh, my job to do my little bits, work hard, pay taxes, uh, and so on. Do what I'm told, and that's perpetual childhood. And they, they think that the big problems are really settled by people who seriously sit down, seriously considering things and so on, when the whole thing is planned out at the top where they're going. All the front people you see as politicians are exactly that, the front people. All of them are the front people. They all know the game. And it's called the political game. That's why they call it the game. And the game, of course, is a show. It's a theater for the general populations. 
And the real policies are made by the parallel government. The parallel government consists of ex-presidents, prime ministers, and high uh, bureaucratic figures across the world who are are brought into this parallel government club. uh, To to, They all know each other. They can get the job done without going uh, being responsible to the public. They know the agendas and and parts to fulfill that they have to do, and they get it done. They're technocrats, and I've gone into the histories of that over the years too, how it works. And even the people who've joined it after leaving politics, like Margaret Thatcher, just said she mentioned, I now belong to the parallel government. The parallel government was set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and the Council on Foreign Relations is another branch they have in other countries, like the U.S. and Canada. They have it in Australia, they have it in New Zealand, all the old British Commonwealth countries, because the Royal Institute of International Affairs came from uh, the Milner Society, which merged with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. Rhodes and Lord Rothschild created the, the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, and they created eventually the Royal Institute of International Affairs when they merged. And they wanted to take over the world uh, using the British Empire as the embryonic system, and they would then hand it over because they knew that they'd bankrupt Britain in the process, which they'd already done. And they'd handed over the, the, the baton, you might say, to the U.S. to pay the taxes, to supply the troops, the bodies, the armaments, and so on, to take the world over. Not so that the world would be some big happy place, all kind of standardized in a happy way, but really to standardize it in such a way that the big cooperative uh, power brokers would run the world. Because they truly believe in Darwinism at the top, they truly believe that all those who were excessively rich that formed this institution at the very beginning a long time ago proved by the Darwinian theories that they were at the top of the tree because they'd held on successfully for generations to lots and lots of money. And their children, mostly they were breeding, um, especially, especially picking uh, wives and so on. They didn't pick themselves. It's almost a priesthood that picks their wives for them. Uh, actually, it is a priesthood. And they, they, they breed them for intelligence, and they bring them from families who are also very successful too. So they, they, they were really into eugenics. And therefore, they decided they had the right to run the world, to manage it properly. They couldn't have all the rabble at the bottom deciding what they wanted to do individually. And therefore, they've been, they've been training us for an awful long time as to take over the resources of the world for the private corporations, all resources, including your food and water. And they also want to standardize all the, the governmental systems. Now, it's a very old agenda. And the boys who formed their own Institute of International Affairs has had many names before that down through the centuries. And right back to Marx, even Marx in London, he was um, he was well aware of the agenda. They put him forth. He was a hack writer, a hack journalist, basically, who was a front man, too. And he talked about the world being set up in three main trading blocks. The whole of Europe would, be, would eventually get united, right across Russia, right across the east, eventually. And then they would have a, a provisional-type government set up for that. It's now called the EU Parliament. It's happened. And also the, the second one was to be United Americas. That's still going on. And the Far East was a Pacific Rim group that would come under China eventually because they were going to raise China up until a top industrial power. And it's all happened, happening too. And all these provincial governments, these three provincial governments, would, would then uh, be subservient to a world government. And the world government, as I say, is simply uh, another puppet regime. Uh, for these big private individuals who own incredible, incredible amounts of wealth 
across the world. It's not just money. Real wealth is many, many other things too. Massive land rights that you wouldn't believe in, in the most mineral-rich uh, countries in the world. So it was all planned a long time ago. And they also had to get a population who were dumbed down enough uh, not to ever figure out what was really going on. That's why they, you know, in the 1800s, when they had to, for instance, in Britain, give a basic education in some of the, in the industrialized cities they created for the overcrowded cities, for the, for the workers and the industrial revolution and so on, they had to give them a basic education to even read basic instructions in the factories they worked. And at the time, they, they, had, they had big, big meetings. They didn't want the people at the bottom even reading. They thought it would be dangerous if they started reading. And so at the same time, they, they came up with an idea. They called it penny novels. And so they saturated the markets with penny novels and advertising like crazy, geared towards the people at the bottom who'd been into romance and all that kind of stuff, excitement, adventure, stuff they'd never see, really adventure and so on. But that, that's what it was packed with heavily funded to make sure that they didn't get into any serious literature. And uh, they also had discussions about uh, should they keep them working at 16 hours per day. This is all in the history books, if there's any left, actually, because they're disappearing fast down the memory hole. But it's in the history books that they had meetings, too, because they thought that if they started giving them more, more uh, time to themselves, because the death rate was phenomenal in industrialized cities, phenomenal. They crowded these people in to the rooms, sometimes 20 people in the room. And uh, that 16 hours a day would kill most folk. They didn't live that long. And so they had to do something, and they started to give them time off, but they wanted to make sure that they had their time would be spent in some other way. And that's when they opened up, you wouldn't believe it, all the authorized bars, pubs, and so on, they called them across Britain, to make sure that the guys would, to escape their misery, would spend most of their time in the bars and so on. This is all discussed by the boys at the top, how to keep them from getting together in a serious manner and discussing the state that they were living in. Now, nothing has ever changed except it's even better today because today you have top marketers, you have neuroscientists, psychologists, behaviorists, all working in massive foundations, privately owned foundations on every aspect of society including all the cultural changes that they've already created that's happened, the ones we're presently going through, and the ones still to come. That's how minutely we're controlled. And, of course, education is standardized too. That's a big thing across the world because they've got to get the same, not just basic education through. I mean, education today is social engineering. Uh, you, you get quality stamped approved when you leave school, believing in all the right things, including all the new normal things, because they're always giving you new normals, and you'll accept them quite naturally, right down to even sexual, sexual matters. So it's all done from the top down, and the public really have no say in it at all. And most of them never figure it out. The wars come and go because the wars are all planned. It takes a long time to plan a war, you know. Any war. Not a long time. And wars, again, are, as Mark said quite rightly, he says wars are done for economic reasons. And the big boys at the top wanted to take over all the mineral resources, everything they needed to, to own, everything that was made. And uh, as I say, water, food, everything. Uh, that's what war is for. Oil fields, you name it. It's a war for resources. Not for the world, not to share with you. 
uh, back home, the ones who are doing all the fighting, supplying the bodies, is for, is for you uh, to, to give away other countries, actually, because you'll die for them. You come back home and get your little tin star. You might get a pension, you might not. And uh, if you live that long, it is. And, um, and your country uh, gives the, the big oil fields to the big international corporations, which then sell it off abroad, all their oil and so on, while they really gouge you back home. And that's the reality of the world that we live in. So when you, if you're going to fight for something, make sure you know what you're fighting for. Make sure you're not some patsy, because there's lots of crowds of patsies belonging to all these NGO groups. They're all purpose-made for you to join before you even know they exist. They're already there for you. And be, and be careful who you follow. Very, very careful. Now, we live in an Orwellian system, and here's an example of it right here. This is a simple example. Oh, I'll talk to you about, about this when I come back after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the system, very Orwellian of course, and a simple example of the techniques that they use is this, this article here, even the wording of it. Wording is very, very important by the way. And it says here, US coalition will no longer publish Taliban attacks figures after mistakenly reporting that outbreaks in Afghanistan were down when there was no decline. So there's no decline, you see, in the amount of, uh, of U.S. troops being uh, and other coalition forces getting killed by Taliban in Afghanistan. So because they made a mistake, they say, a mistake, they simply won't publish any more figures. So you have not to know. You have not to know uh, how many of your own people are being killed. Never mind how many, many people you're slaughtering over there either. This is a U.S.-led military command in Afghanistan said Tuesday will no longer publish figures on Taliban attacks a week after acknowledging that its report of a 7% decline in attacks last year was actually no decline at all. So that's a great reason for not telling you now, isn't it? It's very simple, isn't it? Coalition officials, including Obama administration officials, had previously cited the reported 2012 drop in Taliban attacks as amongst a number of signs that the insurgency was in decline that Afghanistan could uh, take on more of the fighting burden. And the Taliban have been pushed out of many population centers and have failed to regain territory they held before the surge of U.S. troops in 2010. Now, if you've read George Orwell's 1984 and, and, and the double speak and so on, you know the terminology, uh, and double thinks and another one too that most folk actually have all the time. But it's right in here. It's all in here. Uh, plus, including uh, who we're fighting today, East Asia, West, who, who, who kept changing their targets, right? And they keep saying, oh, that they're coming, oh, so the enemy's winning, oh, we've, we've pushed the enemy back, oh, the enemy's winning, oh, push them back. This is, this is your standard nonsense. All the stuff that you get, remember, in the mainstream is filtered through censorship organizations to decide what you will think, what you will think you know, and so on. And very little of it is true. But then it goes on to say this, it says, but they're expected to, to test Afghan forces as U.S. and allied troops withdraw over the coming two years. They're not going to withdraw. 
They've already said that the, 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 the mercenary forces in Blackwater Academia, the different names that they keep using all the time, and so on. Just all foreign combat forces are to be gone by December 31st, 2014. And they've said all this before in years gone by, and then they always extend it. And if I say, as I say, sometimes in the intervening uh, periods, they'll use mercenaries. Now, a few, well, last week, in fact, I mentioned that uh, Blackwater, some Blackwater guys had been charged with uh, gun running. And it came out in court that uh, they were doing it on instructions from the CIA. So all these mercenary groups are either working for the CIA or MI6 or Mossad or somebody. But you understand, everything is a front for something else in this world. Everything is. I mean, everything is a front for something else. It's just that the CIA have many big organizations, many many real uh, corporations, real working functioning corporations in electronics and military designs and so on, uh, and, and not only in the U.S. but abroad too. And so do all the other ones at the top, all let's say Mossad, Britain, and so on. So this is standard stuff. Uh, double speak, double speak. So in other words, rather than give you wrong figures, of course, which of course be intentional, um, we're not going to publish anything at all, so you won't know. And that's it. That's it. That's called censorship, you see. Censorship. <laughs> now, also, this article's going, uh, there's quite a few articles coming out about the, the APAC speech. APAC's awfully important to the U.S. and the world, actually, because right now we've been involved since really Gulf War One, then Gulf War II, uh, and, and taking out a bunch of countries across the Middle East and so on. And, and many of them are on the list that Israel had, too, for, for getting rid of, because they were deemed enemies to Israel. But the big APAC meeting is going on. It says, U.S. Vice President Joe Biden addresses convention held by pro-Israel lobby group. It's the most powerful one in the States. And it says, says President Obama is not bluffing on stopping Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon. And it gives you all the spiel of what's been going on, what they're saying, and so on. And all the top politicians that are attending it, that are in the Senate or the Congress, and so on. And they want a, a, a new deal with the U.S. basically to say that they're the most, they're the most, um, kind of most favored nation, in other words, the most favorite ally of the U.S., uh, to keep the funding going, etc., etc., etc. But tremendous power, tremendous power in APAC, and no one can, can there's, there's nothing else like it actually in the whole of the U.S. So I'll put this one up tonight. It's from the Haaretz Daily Newspaper uh, of Biden's speech. It's not the full speech. It says it's a full speech, but he actually had a few quips at the beginning, which is quite funny. He said he was awfully good at taking directions, and another guy there spoke up. Okay, it gives a lot of out the bag, I'd say. And also this one, too, it says, uh, this article says, um, from example, a Jewish newspaper, U.S. Senator Robert Menendez. This is the guy who was recently in the paper to do with the scandals of um, prostitution, getting prostitutes and so on. And it just got cleared supposedly just got cleared because he said something awfully legally. He says, I never paid to have sex with that woman who, who exactly is the same thing uh, that we heard with uh, Dominique Fra- uh, Strauss-Kahn. You know, it's the wording is very important. They don't pay to have sex with... See, it's illegal to pay to have sex with a woman. That's called prostitution. If they don't pay, but someone else pays for them, Strauss-Kahn came out in the, the Strauss-Kahn thing, then technically... They were, they were not involved, you see, they're, they're free. So he spoke I mean, at the, the APAC meeting, now that it's cleared. 
back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix uh, and talking about, to say, the APAC meeting. And there's about three or four articles here on it. And another one, too, is, is called APAC, the chosen people and the elected people from the, the, the Jerusalem Post. And, and again, it's, it's, it's bashing out at anyone who criticizes what, what anything that Israel is doing. That's what the whole article really is about. And yet, as I say, the whole world knows it affects what happens over there is affecting everyone right now. Everyone. Because look at all the countries that have been involved uh, for a long time now in the Middle East and so on. And uh, is ever going to end. And remember, remember too that even, I think it was Kissinger said that or Brzezinski said that his idea, if he was to do, take the long stance on, on taking down the various Middle Eastern countries, he would have a, a long drawn out affair, lots of soft power, internal revolutions like we see forcing democracy on the people from within, financing NGOs and so on, color revolutions. And, and he said, um, or he says, if we could use hard power, we'll demolish all of their infrastructure. And that means that you can bomb them back in the Stone Age. And then you fund the varying factions of Islam and get them all fighting each other forever. Then they're no bother to anyone at all. They'll never unite against anybody, even, even to save their own borders. They'll never unite again. And that's pretty well happening. But the countries, too, are now under the World Bank and the IMF. All those countries have been demolished, and they're in perpetual debt. And, and of course, this was all started with uh, George Bush and the neocons with their revolutionary democracy, they called it. You invade them, and whether they like it or not, you force something called democracy, which is an awful joke, because we can see the mess they're in now. And upon them, and and the world sat back and everybody watched it happen. Everybody watched it happen. It's very easy with the people over over there somewhere, especially when they've been demonised for so long, and and movies and so on, for many many years. And um, it's quite easy for people to say, well, they're not really the same as us. In other words, what you're really saying is that they're not human, and so you don't take their lives seriously as they get blown up and killed and so on. And they always show you the same pictures of a bunch of guys uh, with rifles shooting them in the air and yelling all the time. And that's not how they live naturally, of course, not at all. But again, seeing is believing, and propaganda works awfully well through the, the screen. They've even used the same shots often for different wars from different countries. They were caught when they were into, I think it was Egypt, uh, about the demonstrations there and so on. Uh, when they were starting all that up, and they were actually using big demonstrations in India, and luckily some bright spark caught the the, the flag of in, the flags of India in a distant background. So everything, as I say, is propaganda, and people people just accept what they're given. Mind you, most folk do feel awfully powerless about what's going on in the world. That's true. Other ones have been trained in socialism not to look at the negative. In fact, just ignore it altogether. Look at positive, happy little things. Same with the New Age movement. That's what they push all the time, which allows rather evil people to do what they want in the world because of that. You don't want to even see evil. If you don't see evil, uh, then you're doomed yourself. 
And I've said before too, look at the, look at the massive military buildup inside the, the so-called first world countries to do with anti-terrorism. This is to be perpetual, understand, perpetual anti-terrorism. You'll never ever get back to where it was before. Now everyone's to be on cameras, and they're going to have drones in the sky. And also you're going to have the drones eventually killing people. I'll touch on that tonight too, because it's come out at last on uh, mainstream, even that uh, they are to be armed, some of them, and they can be used to kill people within the United States of America. But perpetual terrorism, and as I say, this is, this is it, the authoritarian society. Remember they said they can't get what they want done at the Club of Rome. They can't do it under democracy. It wouldn't work. So they'd have to train the public. And they mean that. Train you. Well, you still think you've got democracy. Train you into obeying authority and under an authoritarian rule. And that's what you've got. Also, again, big movements in, in Germany because the, the Allied troops, as you called them, the US and British and so on, have been basically stationed in Germany since World War II. And the British ones are now pulling out. It says, army bases are to shut ahead of Germany troop withdrawal. And it says, um, four army bases are to close as part of a shake-up to accommodate thousands of troops returning from Germany. And it tells you a list of them. Uh, it says, uh, Claro Barracks in North Yorkshire, How in Kent, Craig Hall in Edinburgh, and Codder in Pembrokeshire will be closed. And parts of Edinburgh's Redford Barracks, Forsyth in Stirling, and Cop, uh, Copthorne in Shropshire will also close. Returning forces will be stationed around seven sites, including Salisbury Plain, Edinburgh, and Lookers. At Catrick and Colchester. So, it's been, they've been there for, in Germany for nearly 70 years, it says, and uh, they're pulling out now. This is Defence Secretary Philip Hammond said that the return of troops from Germany marked the end of an era and thanked the, the German government and people for their material and moral support, which again, the Dagos don't think they might say in the matter, did they? Anyway, a big, big shake-up's going on there. And also, the British, uh, House of Commons, they call it the Commons, not the House of Lords. See, the House of Lords are all noble people, and then and the commoners get represented uh, by the House of Commons. Although even the, the Commons guys are a bunch of good psychopaths who are all go to the best schools too. In fact, they hope to get into the House of Lords eventually. This is the course of justice. Critics say it should be judges, not ministers, that's politicians, who have the final say on what can be heard in public. And so here's a big battle being going on to see who should say to the media, whatever, the course of justice or uh, and judges or, or should be politicians who convey things to the public. They're trying to get everything to come through the court systems now under authority in society. So anyway, members of parliaments have voted to back plans to allow more civil courts to examine secret intelligence in private, despite calls for more safeguards. And they also have uh, passed a law for secret courts to be held. Now, <laughs> remember they often say that Britain was the birthplace of democracy, which is the greatest propaganda thing ever done. But um, this is what they call democracy, secret courts, secret courts inside your own country. And it says, Cabinet Minister King Clark said it was a common sense for sensitive evidence to be admissible in trials without intelligence sources being exposed. So this is the reason they're given for having secret courts. Because there may be sensitive evidence from intelligence services that would, have, would come out during the courts. And it tells you that two Labour amendments which attempted to introduce extra safeguards were defeated by 297 to 226 and so on. I always give you figures because it's a scoreboard for a game. Eh? And um, 
says, Shadow Justice Secretary Sadiq Khan said he was disappointed with the result, but would look to the House of Lords to bring some balance to the government's plans when the legislation returns there. Ministers are concerned that millions of pounds have had to be spent settling civil claims which the government was prevented from challenging successfully because that would have involved revealing secret intelligence in open court. They're talking about rendition and so on. The government has already introduced more safeguards to the legislation currently being scrutinised, ensuring that the judges and not ministers decide when so-called closed material proceedings are used. So it's all in the hands now of judges. No constitu- not that Britain's got really a constitution. This is an oral thing, which of course is awfully flexible as they keep changing it when it suits them. But that's life, isn't it? That really is life. And then at the United Nations, as I say, the United Nations is a front organisation set up again uh, to kind of be the the granddaddy for all the NGOs, the thousands of non-governmental organizations that are paid incredibly big money. They're full-time, full-time jobs, these NGOs and charities. They lobby governments on behalf of their masters, their pay masters, the foundations, the tax-free foundations. But um, they've been caught with, in so many things, United Nations and NATO and so on, with prostitution rackets and using troops and so on in different countries they go into. But anyway, crackdown on the United Nations drinking culture as U.S. official accuses diplomats of being inebriated during key budget meetings. And they're always asking for more in your money. Everybody's asking for your money. Eh? They all ask for your money. Everybody. Yep. Actually, they demand it, don't they? But top U.S. officials suggest a new reason for the failure of sensitive international negotiations. It could be because the participants are drunk. The country's deputy ambassador to the United States Nations is calling for a ban on excessive drinking during meetings designed to hammer out the budget. They're hammered all right, but it's not about the budget. So there are reports that diplomats have been visibly drunk while serving on key committees, fueled by the fact that the UN budget is usually fixed in late December. But Joseph Tercella appeared to admit that the US has in the past taken advantage of drunk negotiators to get in its way without them noticing. In other words, it's not the drunk's fault. It's just that it's the U.S.'s fault for noticing the guys are drunk. <laughs> and they want to rule the world, eh? It says, we make the modest uh, proposal that the negotiation rooms should be in the future be in an inebriation-free zone. Mr. Torsella said yesterday, actually, they should test their urine for it over there. They should do that because they want all us to get tested for everything, don't they, the United Nations? And they should test them for drugs, too, because they've an awful lot of that there as well. So there's your nonsense, you see, we pay these front organizations, because they're fronts, they're all subservient to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, a private organization set up a long time ago to do all that they're doing. And also, uh, that Netanyahu couldn't attend the APEC meeting, but he had a televised thing that was shown, and he says we need a credible uh, threat needed to stop Iran nuclear drive, he says, so that, that was his big input into it, I'll put that up tonight too. Now, again, we're, as I say, we're run by private organizations that, that create stars. You understand? It's no different than creating a movie star or a music star. Anybody can be created to be a star with the right machinery behind you to make it happen. They could take a tramp off the street and they come into a top uh, professor in no time at all, and everyone would listen to him, they'd dress him up and promote him and so on. And you would believe it. In fact, they've done it in the past. But anyway... They also the same thing with creating stars for Paul Ehrlich, of course. Paul Ehrlich is the guy, the population bomb, too many people, too many of the wrong kind, all that kind of stuff. Authoritarian society wants and massive cutback on population. So it says the demonic duo backup abortion prevents global catastrophes. Says Paul Ehrlich and Anne Ehrlich are at it again. The best way in our view to achieve population shrinkage is to give full rights and opportunities to women. 
and to make modern contraception and backup abortion accessible to all sexually active people. In a piece published March 2nd titled Food Insecurity Will Eat Away at Our Civilization, neo-eugenicist Paul Ehrlich gives us a condensed version of his recent research endeavors calling for backup abortions. It's kind of like backing up the computer, eh? To prevent what his colleague Philip Cafaro calls interspecies genocide. In addition, he repeats the conclusions of his recent study for the American Institute of Biological Sciences proposing mass mind control, I'm not kidding you folks, and increased environmental regulations. And the, the links are here, I'll put them up tonight. In the recent summary, Ehrlich's right, the best way in our view to achieve population shrinkage to give full rights and so on to women, make modern contraception back of abortion accessible to all sexually active people. While the degree to which these steps would reduce total fertility rates is a matter of controversy, they would deliver significant social and economic benefits by making huge reservoirs of fresh brain power available to solve our problems, while saving hundreds of thousands of lives by reducing the number of unsafe abortions. Remember, he too, he's, 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 he advocated different things even further than that in previous uh, articles he's done. Of even sterilizing everyone uh, down the road, uh, whether you like it or not. And, uh, and also, too, they've discussed in the, the top think tanks that he works with ways of putting stuff in your water or maybe injecting you with something that would turn off sperm and all the rest of it. And if you're awfully, awfully good, they might serve the system properly. They could turn it back on so you could breed one child. If you were up high enough on the chain, you see. I mean, I'm not kidding. This is, this is where they're going with all of this stuff. And it says Ehrlich and his wife are busy little bees publishing their, their death talk in practically every scientific institution with a printing press. Now, as I say, they're made to be stars and look at the doors open for them. That takes a big organization above them to make it happen. Like everything else. In the latest study for the Royal Society endorsed by none other than Prince Charles, titled Can a Collapse of Global Civilization Be Avoided? And the links are all here for that too. The demonic duo assert that civilization is certain to collapse and only a concentrated global effort to reduce fertility may avert catastrophe. They like to describe this concentrated global effort as a monumental task. Monumental but not impossible if the political will could be generated globally to give full rights, education, opportunities. They always say about women, you know, what they mean is giving them free abortions across the planet. But that's what they mean about women's health. That's what they mean by that. And provide all sexually active human beings with a modern contraception and backup abortion. And it says, uh, these words contain some drastic and draconian implications. In order to provide backup abortions to women on a global scale, a worldwide population reduction strategy must be outlined and then enforced by all nations of the planet. That's some back to their old stuff again. It says the Ehrlichs concede that such a worldwide effort could not, would not go down well with nations opposing abortions. Well, there's not many left now. They're getting bombed, the last ones that oppose it. Obviously, there are huge cultural and institutional barriers to establishing such policies in some parts of the world. After all, there is not a single nation where women are truly treated as equal to men. Oh. Despite that, the population driver should not be ignored simply because limiting overconsumption can, at least in theory, be achieved more rapidly. The difficulties of changing demographic trajectories means the problems should have been addressed sooner rather than later, Ehrlich's right. Responding to countless recent studies showing that not overpopulation but underpopulation seems to be an increasing problem, especially in Europe, the Ehrlich state, that halting population growth inevitably leads to changes in age structure is no excuse for bemoaning drops in fertility rates, as is common in European government circles. Reduction of population size in those over-consuming nations, that's all of you folk, first world countries. 
you see. It's a very positive trend. So dying off, having you dying off is a very positive trend. And sensible planning can deal with the problems of population aging. Well, they, they want to kill you off with, a little, the, you know, the cyanide pill. I mean, that's where they want to go, folks. And you better see who's giving them all this cash and who's behind them and the organizations and foundations that are pushing him into the, to, to have his, his, his trash published across the planet. <laughs> you better look into it. These guys mean it, you know. Don't forget, Burton Russell knew these guys too. They all work together. And he says we, we can either put something in their food, in their water, through injections, to do all this stuff. See, it's all been done already. It's all been done. The culture professionals that gave you your culture and the changes in your culture did all the rest of it. Very few get married anymore. Very few have children anymore. And it's all quite normal now, isn't it? All quite normal. And folk can never catch on to anything. They really think they're just floating through some kind of natural evolution. Now, the Department of Homeland Security built domestic surveillance tech into the Predator drones. And it says here that um, the U.S. Department of Home Security has customized its Predator drones, originally built for overseas military operations, to carry at-home surveillance tasks in the U.S. that have civil libertarians worried, identifying civilians carrying guns and tracking their cell phones that the government documents show. And it says that the documents provide more details about the surveillance capabilities of the department's unmanned Predator B drones, which are primarily used to patrol the U.S. northern and southern borders, but being pressed in his service on behalf of a growing number of law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, Secret Service, Texas Rangers, and local police. And I'll go back to this one when I get back after these messages. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and reading this article about drones. There's a couple I'm going to touch on before the, the, the end of the broadcast here. But it's said here that Michael Kostelnik, the Homeland Security official who created the program, told Congress that the drone fleet would be available to respond to emergency missions across the country. And a predator drone was dispatched to the tiny town of Lakota, North Dakota, to aid local police in a dispute that began with reimbursement for feeding six cows. That's what, that's what it was for. The defendant arrested with the help of a predator for surveillance lost a, pre- a, a bid to dismiss the charges, it says. It says getting used, you see. Now this one goes on to this one. And it says that, um, this is from Holder, by the way, uh, John Holder. Uh, it says, uh, it says, yep, Obama could kill Americans on U.S. soil. And it says, the Dragonflyer X66 wrote a remote-controlled helicopter which can fly up to 20 miles an hour and travel up to a quarter. President Barack Obama's the, the legal authority now to unleash deadly force such as strike drones against Americans on U.S. soil with their, without first putting them on trial. The Attorney General Eric Holder wrote in a letter released today. And I'll put this letter up, by the way, uh, the link to it as well. And you can, you can have a gander at that. Uh, so it, it had to come. I said this when, it, when they started talking about it in the first place. This was all for. And it says, but Holder writes Republicans um, underlined that Obama had no intention of targeting his fellow citizens with unmanned aerial vehicles and would do so only if facing an extraordinary circumstance. So there's a double speak. There's no intention of doing it, but, but, but would do so only if facing an extraordinary circumstance. 
And then it goes through a, a bunch, a list of the, the extraordinary circumstances and, uh, that they could use them in, which of course escalates. And it's a letter he gave uh, back to, uh, to Rand Paul with the questions, will these be used in American citizenry? And so Holder says, yes, they can use them under certain circumstances against American citizens. So uh, welcome to your new freedom, folks. Remember the new freedom that George Bush Jr. talked about? Again, in a major speech to the nation, and people, and especially the media, they know not to answer questions because they're in on that. What, what, what do they mean by the new freedom? All these little phrases you hear, and people just, just chew their gum, you know, and blow bubbles, and that's it. The new, as he, goodbye to the old folks, it's never going to be here again. The old freedom, when you go into an airport, get on a train with it, get not, uh, some, some, you know what, uh, patting you up and down and feeling you up, or anything like that. And I got drones coming in, uh, armed drones, by the way, armed drones. And it says, Holder says, for example, the president could conceivably have no choice but to authorize the military to use such force if necessary to protect the homeland. So that covers everything in the circumstances of a catastrophic attack like Pearl Harbor or 9-11. Were such an emergency to arise, we would examine the particular facts and circumstances before advising the president on the scope of his authority, said Holder. In other words, it's a very flexible authority. And it says, um, Paul says, the U.S. Attorney General's refusal to rule out the possibility of drone strikes on American citizens and on American soil is more than frightening. It's an affront to the constitutional due process rights of all Americans, the Senator said in a statement. The exchange came as the White House agreed to give Senate Intelligence Committee members access to all of the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel opinions justifying Obama's expanded campaign of targeted assassination of suspected terrorists overseas, including American citizens. So now they can do it at home as well. I say welcome to the new freedom. Now you know what they meant by that. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God. All your gods go with you.